Yeah, Royce, I saw you last about little did we know, like, I think it was February 28th, 2020. Little did we know two weeks from there, whole world would be different, man. Well, right before the pandemic, pre-pandemic. Yep. Right after Allegory had dropped. And uh, yeah. And I had no idea what was to come. Nah, man, we were we were outside and, and talking freely and masks were not involved. But, you know, now we're now we're here. Sitting down Crazy. eating at the restaurant. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Crazy times. Crazy times. Crazy times. Um, How do you be, bro? Yo, man. Uh, you know what? Like, it treated me well. Like, when I step back and look at it, you know, um, I had been in a situation. I was going through a divorce. Uh, my kids were split up on separate coasts. Okay. And because of the pandemic showing that people could work wherever they needed to work, I was able to get all my kids back on one coast. You know what I'm saying? Flip side, I was able to cook dinner, like have more meals with them in one year than I'd had in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, it treated me well, man. How about you? That's good. I mean, it's good. It was cool. It was cool. I don't have as many, I have as many silver lining scenarios as you, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about just communicating. You know what I mean? Like it, it forced us to kind of like, everybody sitting in front of their computer and we're like trying to unpack things in real time. And yeah. I just noticed that we were kind of like sitting around kind of watching everybody make their adjustment to it in their way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So seeing a lot of people kind of fall apart, so to speak, a lot of people buckle under the pressure. A lot of people got better, got stronger. You know what I mean? Like a lot of, a lot of a certain kind of art was, forced to the forefront like people didn't have a choice so it's almost like what tangible skill do you have now that mm -hmm. we don't have all of the trickery and 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 fucking um the sorcery that is marketing you know yeah. what i mean not yeah. now that you can't now that that machine can't effectively push you through the noise like it would would have been able to have we all not been locked down it was just like the most organic parts of this shit just kind of just came jumping out at you like just the art of DJing. Yeah. Be nice, just being in the living room, just mm. just on the turntables. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like we yeah. took it back to we took it back to Queens. Yeah. Took it back to Queens in the eight in the eighties in the park. You know what I mean? Where the simpler yeah. things just kind of like came to the forefront. Yeah. Versus, Versus yeah. Like sure. all, of, all of the rappers that can rap, you know yep. what I mean? Started yep. signing major deals. You know what I mean? Like it just it was some good to it. Yeah. Yeah, good. sure. Yeah, um, who who would you want to do a versus with? Um, I don't think I would want to do a versus mm -hmm. because it's like to me, to me, versus is a is a platform designed for artists who have been um, who have been able to reap the benefits of major label marketing over a, or over the course of a period of time. Mm -hmm. So. Most of the artists have been up there. They got like at least a decade in where it's like yeah. they got albums in a row that came out on time on major labels. Yeah. And, you know, um, they've they've achieved a certain level of mainstream success. Mm -hmm. I just don't think I don't think that that's been my path. My path has been more of a connection, more of a connection to um, my crowd, you yeah. know, more speaking directly to my audience. And, um it kind of growing that way. And then I did like a few outside things um, outside of myself where I collaborated with people, 
you know what I mean? And we've seen success, but everything has been independent. But since I've been, since I came into the game on such a high level, like Marshall basically put me on his back. Just like, get in, you know what I mean? So it's like when things didn't work out for me on the major, when I signed those two deals, um, I had already been doing so much stuff that I think people just kind of associated me with that for my whole career. Mm-hmm. I think I've ever been, nobody's ever referred to me as, a, as an independent artist, but everything I've done has always been independent. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's what Yo, I mean. um, um, I, let me kick it off officially, man. Cause we already got into stuff. I would want to, yeah, I, I thought we, we was running. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can we are, we are too, but I'm, I'm going to let the people know. I got to let the people know who's, who's in the house. You know what I mean? We got, uh, someone, an artist who I respect to the utmost, who is not only one of Detroit's finest, and that's saying a lot because De- Detroit has got some of the illest MCs in the, in the game, but one of the world's finest MCs, and someone who I can truly say is only getting better as his career progresses. Thank if you don't know what it is, we've been talking about this man and, and the path he's been on, especially over the last six, seven years, uh, several times over the last couple of years. It's Royce Five Nine. You know, Royce, welcome, man. Thank you, man. Welcome. Thank you, Thank you for the beautiful words, the, the beautiful introduction. Um, it's always an honor and a privilege to speak to both of you, gentlemen. Mm. Um, due to due to some things that I've been through in my life and my experience with just meeting people, building relationships, stepping outside of my comfort zone, um, connecting with like-minded people, connecting with people who. We may not share a lot of the same, you know, views, social views, ideologies, whatever, and um, trying to figure out ways to coexist with people. You know what I mean? Like, it's made me look back on things and really value, especially in this in this industry, value people that I come across in this business that I just feel like are good people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then also just actions matching words, and then just being solid. You know, like one day same as the next. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I see you. Never, it's never it's never this way or that way. It's just one way. You know what I mean? So I I, I like that. I value that in people. So yeah. and we don't tell each other stuff like that enough, you know, because yeah. if there was ever, ever anything that any of us did wrong, you know, it'd be easy for us just to let everybody know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. You know, um, I, I mean those words deeply about how your career has only blossomed, you know, over the last few years. Um, I think you're one, you know, there's a lot of talk this year about 50th anniversary and pioneers of hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. I think you are one of those pioneers of grown man rap, you know, mm-hmm. rap music that talks about what it means to be a father, to be a husband, to have grown up and like put some of the dumb stuff aside and have to mature and progress as a man. So, you know, I think you've only gotten better as you've gotten older. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the objective. Yeah. That's the objective. Why, why yeah. you think that is? Because a lot of people thought rap was a young man's game, but you're proving, you're proving it's whatever state you're in, it's that game. Yeah, I, I agree that it's a young man's game. I agree that it's a young man's game because um, I believe that there's an age range and there's a window with every MC, no matter how well you're growing, how well you're progressing. I think there's no growth and progression in art without growth and progression in self. So as you grow as self, the art is automatically going to get better, but it doesn't mean that you have the same passion for it to actually do it. It's like boxing. 
it's like boxing, you know, when you in your early twenties and you've been doing it since you were a young kid and you just getting up to the pro level, you still, you still enjoy the contact, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get to a certain age where you got so much wisdom, you don't want to get hit no more. You still want to win, but you're just tired of, you're just tired of, you're tired of it being taxing on your body. You know what I mean? And those, those are the things that make you think about retiring. Like those kind of thoughts don't enter your mind until you become self-aware. Mm -hmm. So I think if there's a value that comes along with that naivety as a young kid coming into this shit, cause you're fearless. You're not worried about, you know, how people are going to, react to anything you say, you say whatever, you know, like those are your shock value years. It's like a window to just really impact everything mm -hmm. and speak to the youth that comes from a place that only they'll listen to, you mm -hmm. know? I think as you get up there in age in this business, I think it's very important to realize that um, you may not, I may not be able to do, do the culture more justice, trying to stay in the forefront and then the limelight, then I would be able to do it had had I have I understand my spot and figure out a more beneficial way to the culture to contribute. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that Jay-Z is like, I'm a Jay-Z stan. I would love another Jay-Z album, but I truly believe that the, the position that he embraces now is um is the most valuable gift that he can give us. It's more valuable than him doing a new album because of because of how intentional he is about it and also because of what he's delivered previously musically to the culture. Mm -hmm. It's you in the discography. Say, you know how they say Niles will never be able to top Illmatic? Well, I mean, that's why it's Illmatic. It's not supposed to be topped. Yeah. He's not supposed to be able to top that album. Mm. Because, you know, like to say he topped it would be subjective. It'd just be like this, this era's perception of it versus the way that it impacted us. Mm. We'll never come to an agreement on that. So it's like Nas being healthy, you know, still a beautiful black man. Not, not he's. We all aging gracefully. You know what I mean? Like, I believe we'll be the first genre of music to to be on those big stages, like the Rolling Stones and all of those guys are on. Mm. Still, but still not be looking like we gave our whole self to the. To, like we just left it all in the ring you know what i mean like yeah. those halfway standing up yeah i want to look like ozzy osbourne when mm. I'm, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't care yeah. how great you know what i mean so i think um we the first genre of music to, to push mental health advocate for health sobriety you know mm. what i mean like we get a bad we get a bad rap as hip-hop because we're so vocal and raw and mm. um and we're so influential and, and a lot of times we don't always use that superpower for positivity, but mm. those of us who last long enough to, to realize, you know, that there's a, there's a greater, there's a greater calling to, to use your, utilize your platform for. Um, if you last long enough to realize that, then, you know, that evolution is just, it's just part of it to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so that's why I feel like it's a young man's game because it's, I can't even hear the music the same. Well, like I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna dis I'm gonna disagree a little bit with that. Only yeah. be, and I'm gonna tell you why because I agree with you. You know that there's classics that are indisputable, and maybe you can't top those in the same way, right? So, Illmatic, you said, Reasonable Doubt, and so forth, right? But I would say, for me at least, your best work 
is Book of Ryan, you know, mm-hmm. and and actually, even though you were older, you almost put the gloves down and, and took the punishment. You 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 made yourself vulnerable and and let uh, let people see who you really were. And to me, that's what made that so great. On Jay's side, I would say that what he did on 444 was equally, if not more important than what he did on Reasonable Doubt, because he taught people wealth building strategies from a legal standpoint. You know what I mean? How to how to how to save, how to invest, how to like buy property and so forth. I think those jewels are just as important as any game you gave, you know, in your 20s. So I would say please don't stop. But I also say you can you can do both, right? Because Jay is doing what he's doing on the business side. But mm-hmm. you're here in particular talking about what you're doing on, on the business side too. And um Jake, you want to talk you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, what's what's interesting to me is um you know, you you released the Heaven Experience EP in support of your new virtual offering. And, you know, I'm somebody, you know, I don't own an NFT. I, I don't I don't really dabble in the metaverse. I'm learning about it. Reggie's been very educational to me in that. But I wanted to, you know, just kind of ask you, like, point blank, like, what is the Heaven Experience? Well, it's a virtual world that we're building um, through a platform called Passage. Okay, so... um. I basically, we got the idea because I, I built out my studio here in the, in the physical world. So um, when we built it, I remember Mr. Porter hitting me up and um, telling me I was looking for a building. And I remember him hitting me up and telling me, yo, before you go look at that building one more time, I need you to come look at something. So he had me pull up here. So I, I came walking in and a lot of a lot of the walls and stuff were built up, built out already because it was a, um, it was a, originally a, a, a audio, a audio post studio. So that's like the kind of studio that you go to when you want to do like voiceover work and stuff like that. So as you probably, you probably can imagine how plain everything was like audio posts, somebody just coming in just to talk and leave. So it was like real, like just bland, you know what I mean? But I love like the build out and stuff like that. So I went with it. So as soon as I walked in the door, the first thing I said was like, yo, bro, this is like heaven. You know what I mean? So then I was like, oh, you should call it that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So that's where heaven came from. So as I start being in here, um, it was my first time ever having my own studio space. I I always paid for studio time. And I always spent like long periods of time, like days at other people's studios. You know what I mean? Like the studio, we'd be getting like $8,000 invoices just from engineers and, and studios on. So I start getting comfortable with being patient up here and just like I built a room in the back. Now it's like a second home, you know what I mean? So over the pandemic, uh, I built out a live room with a stage and like I built out pretty much everything that my mind told me that would be beneficial to not only myself and the um and the cultivation of just everything that I'm thinking mentally and everything that I want to do musically. So, and then a lot of artists start coming around. People start liking to take pictures in front of the heavens sign, the the logo out in the live room. So it just organically start branding itself that way without me really having to try. Like when Cole pulled up, all these different people when they pull up. So um, it it started to take on the form of like a hub and a, the first time that I met Big Sean, it was at my man Wine studio. My man Wine had a building a long time ago. And I remember going up there and thinking to myself, like, why are you letting these young guys just be in here with, in their basketball shorts and 
not cleaning up and you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, I couldn't understand it. You know what I mean? And then years later, Sean blew up, you know what I mean? So I thought about that, like, wow, Juan was like, Juan opened up his doors to the youth, to the youth, gave them somewhere where they could come cultivate their talent. And Sean became great, not just good, but great. great. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, man, that's something, that's something to be said. And that's something that we, sh- we got to look at. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if you get, you, you can have one without the other. So, um, and his thing was just like, it's not that he was looking at Sean, like, oh, this dude is going to be a star. He, it's not like he was A&R in him. He just, he just, he just thought he was cool. And it was like, he had the money to do it. He had the studio, you know, it's here. So it's like, it's here. And he's a, he's like a thoughtful guy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if I got $2 and you, you need one, I'll give you one of mine to give you the shirt off his back kind of guy. And, um, I just felt like that was a that was inspiring, you know what I mean? So I never had young artists in here in charge of the studio time and stuff like that. I try to like drop as many jewels as I can, give as much guidance as I can, but most importantly, just have like an environment for people to come where they don't have to worry about like violence and they don't have to worry about coming in here and like losing their minds. You know what I mean? Like just an environment where they're not being um uh led astray. Like mm-hmm. I never I never told none of, none of my youngins to like cheat on their girl or where the liquor at. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a it's a it's an environment that needs to be available to the ones that don't want to throw their lives away. You it's know like a mean? boxing boxing gym or something like that. Like yeah, you know. but not like not like with, with a bunch of old dudes in it telling you <laughs> not that not that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's not that. It's just like it's just a fun it's a fun environment where you can just kind of like spread your wings and you don't have to worry about like being you know, judged or like none of the, none of the stigmas associated with being an OG. You know what I mean? I feel like that, that, that title, um, that title is something to be earned. You know, you, you have to put yourself, you have to put the youngest in a position where they can hold you to some sort of standard. And that's real important to me. You know what I mean? So even when I make decisions, you know, like rash decisions or impulsive decisions, and I look back at it, the first thing to come to my mind usually is, okay, how do I feel about this? The way that I presented myself or carried myself or handled that, how do I feel about that? Is it a, is it a prop, is it the proper representation of what I want to be, mm-hmm. the direction that I want to go, and how how would my child look at it? And then how would the youngins who look at me in a certain light, how would they look at that? It's like there's a lot to think about when you're making your decisions. And to me, it helps, it helps just with growth. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so we started to we started to notice, I've always noticed like a trend in my career where um things would be one way in the world, and then we we hear little like inklings and peeps and behind the scenes whispers of something new. And we always hear about it, and we don't really, I've never really thought about jumping into things early. It's always been late. Crypto, Pro Tools, uh, streaming. Mm. All of these things happened to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with the emergence of it, or I didn't get in on anything early to be able to reap benefits. Never. You know what I mean? Like I just sat, watched, and watched it change. Now I'm up to thinking. Okay, trying to figure out and, and 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 be able to identify with the direction that the world is going in, and um, 
trying to make sure that I always stay aware. You know what I mean? So Web3 is just, after you take a deep dive into it and you really do your due diligence, I don't feel like you have to understand it so much from top to bottom, but just have an understanding that it's just, it's just the way that things are going. It's the direction that, that everything is going. You know what I mean? So I decided we want to build our own Heaven Studios in the metaverse. You know what I mean? So have a platform. You know, my kids play Roblox all the time. And that's another thing, man. Reggie, I don't remember how old your kids are, but bro, watching my daughters like look at YouTube, like they ask me to buy them all these toys. I go buy them all this shit and they don't play with their toys. They just want the toys. They don't play with them because they like to watch on the big TV YouTube of of another kid playing with their toys. Yep. Y'all ever, y'all ever seen that? that not yeah, unboxing, unboxing. It's crazy. It's a whole industry. Uh, yeah. You taught me about that, Reggie. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah. looking at that and then looking at um just like Roblox. Because when when I started seeing video games, I was more taken aback by the technology and like I was more of a, a graphics guy. So the the better that the graphics were would make me want to play. Now it's 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 progressed, but then it's scaled back because my, my child loves Roblox, but Roblox is just a like the characters on there are just shapes. It's like, it's weird to me. So it's like, you know, you can buy things within the, there's like a whole world that kind of like pulls the child all the way in. And, um, I'm, I became addicted to online shopping. You know what I mean? Like not having to really physically get up and go do things that impact your life in such, in such ways says everything and then the pandemic kind of showed us that i literally didn't move from the studio hmm. i had everything bought to me through apps in my phone you know what i mean so i just feel like we're we're starting to get to a place where people are becoming more and more comfortable with not having to do as much if they don't have to so if i buy the heaven experience like what sort of um experience or opportunity do i get from that yeah, well, okay, so that's the thing. It's gonna be a forever growing thing. You know what I mean? It's not like a it's not like a one-time, it's not like a one-time thing where it's like, yo, we're gonna have this performance or that performance. It's gonna always be, we're gonna always keep continuing to just keep building on it and building on it and building on it. Right now, we're launching it now because we have the studio all the way built. You know what I mean? But I I'm still doing the concert space, like. Illmind is doing a whole fucking arena in the metaverse wow. where you're going to be performing shows and shit at. So it's, I don't want people to look at it like a one-time thing. I want people to view it more as a, a world that's being created that you can just be in. You know what I mean? It's like being in any capacity that you want. And I'm real big on community right now and building community and being able to um, connect with really like-minded people and share information, artists, other artists, um, other grown men such as yourself, Reggie, like therapeutic environments. You know, we talked about men's retreats, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like Rock Nation brunch, that's a, that's, that's a, that's community. Yeah. I mean, people are excited to go to that, number one, because of the exclusivity of it, but number two, um, the benefits that you can stand to, to, reap just from being in that environment and what you can pull from it by being around all of those affluent people all in one space you know there with the intention to, to show love and connect with you mm. i just think that we need that 
We need that. It's kind of like what we do on our social media platforms anyway. I just want to be able to bring everything into one place. You know, when I'm on Instagram, I got a million followers. There's never been a time where I posted something and all of those people seen it. You know, I feel like when you get on these platforms, it's kind of like you versus the algorithm and you versus the platform versus you being able to connect with every person, you know? Yeah, so, we, so I, we I, saw I, some of that on uh, during the pandemic, too, with, with like Clubhouse, right? Yeah. And, uh, and and we're seeing it more with t- Twitter spaces. You know, one of the things I saw during the pandemic was uh, the Travis Scott concert. Yeah. Um, which was insane, right? You would think, and I think that was a lot of people's first introduction, you know, especially in our generation into the metaverse. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so what are some of the things that you're doing right now that if, if when people join to have an experience that they can look forward to? Yeah, so we're doing, we're doing conferences, we're doing shows. Um, we're we going to have this thing where you'll be able to record and have in studios, but remotely from where you are. Mm-hmm. Um Anything that you can think of that you can do, if you were to come, let's say if you were to come rent out my space, my, my studio space, there's so many rooms here and there's so many different ways for them to be utilized that it's almost like a, um, it's almost like an opening to be as creative and as outside of the box with the thinking of ways that you want to utilize it as you can be, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. same way that you would, you know, when you, you play in Roblox and you got all of these different houses and stuff it's like you have access you can do whatever you want to do you know what i mean like you can do whatever you want to do and we're also thinking on the fly constantly updating constantly kicking off new things to do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. that's really what i feel that it's about it's about building a community creating these passes or you can call them coins or nfts or whatever but then also after you have it how can we keep adding value to it how can, how can it keep growing? So if you one day want to sell it, it's worth something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's worth something to somebody. What would incentivize somebody to want to buy your past? Well, that's our job to figure out. You know, mm. we have so many conversations. Me, Tree, and Kino, we talk so much. And it's just like some of these ideas that we just think of on the fly. I want to have a space and a platforms and a way to be able to flush them out and launch them. You know, if it's already there, it's like kind of like if you build it, they will come type of thing. You, yeah, know, you if, started that last year a little bit with the Caterpillar NFT. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, that was but a, that couldn't have been done without ownership of your masters, which I know yeah. you started to, to to get back. Like, you know, can you talk about that process? Because, you know, you know, I used to be a lawyer. Right. And it's not an easy thing to get your masters back. You know, capital contracts, like the whole nine. Like, what, what was that process like for you? Well, Caterpillar was an easy one for me to get. Some of them, some of them harder than others. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them were tied up into uh, major label situations that I had previously been in from back in the day. Um, for the most part, the people that I've done business with on an independent level have been pretty, pretty considerate mm-hmm. of my of my desire to um, outright own, you know, stuff that they've had pretty much full control over in terms of the master um, since we did the deal, you know, which is what we both agreed on. So we, we definitely, we definitely weren't sitting down um, coming from a place of um, grief or, um, or, 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 or complaining or anything like that. Like I never got to that spot mentally, you know, with the business. I know that that's kind of like a trend, but um, 
I've been blessed to be able to do some pretty good business with some pretty decent people mm. in, in music. So it was just an easy transition. Um, most of the agreements that I signed, um, those labels had control over the master for like, I believe like seven years or something like that. So after seven years, you know, it just reopens the conversation of um, me taking over the ownership and moving forward, you know? Mm. So, um, Caterpillar was an easy one. It was an easy one. Shout out to Alan Grumblatt. He didn't trip on me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Reggie, it's just a process. It's a process. And each in, each individual process is unique to the situation. Um, what's still- the importance of ownership for you? Huh? What's the importance of ownership for you? For, the, for You know, a lot of people don't even know why they yeah. want their masters. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know that um, when you come into the business and you play music for people, and they're excited about it, or you upload something to um, to streaming platforms, and you're doing numbers, and that's getting the attention of the labels. Before, prior to going in and signing whatever you're gonna sign with that label, I mean, you own that stuff. That's your intellectual property. You're the original owner of it. You know they can't take that away from you. You have to give it to them. You know mm-hmm. you have to give that away. Um, a lot of the stuff that I recorded from back in the day, I went and signed a deal, and then recorded it, and they mm-hmm. they put up the money for me to record it. You know, so um, automatically through that process, I didn't have a full understanding of the importance of ownership like they did. You know what I mean? So after I built built up my own audience and I started realizing that um, I don't always have to um, rely on big labels to do things that I kind of learned how to do myself and wasn't really clearly able to tell them how to do it. Like if you can't articulate who you are as an artist to the label, then what they'll do is they'll try to articulate who they think you are to the world. And a lot of times that becomes, there's a disconnect there. So, um, and it takes a minute for us to become self-aware, you know? So it, like you said, Reggie, it took me into a book of Ryan to, to have a full understanding of who I am as a person to be able to project that. So mm-hmm. um, once I was able to do that, you know, I was pretty much off to the races. So um, throughout that process, I learned the importance, the importance of the master, the way that everything is paid out, the importance of ownership, you know, just the importance of building a brand in general. You know, first it was just about money, money, money for me. You know, like I never even thought about the revenue streams that were associated with just owning the master mm. until um, I started to see how much money that was being made as, as opposed to how much money I was making in the process. You think about yeah. it. I, if all my life I'm poor and um, I go to the NBA and I sign a multi-million dollar contract, shit. In contrast, I made it, you know, yeah. but in business, is it fair? Right. And generated. What am I, what am I, what am I in, to, in its totality and its fullness? What am I bringing to the table? How much revenue am I generating? Yeah. How much of that do I deserve? And am I even in those conversations? Of course, not in the beginning, but after a while you become wise and then you figure out how to integrate yourself into those conversations and you have a better understanding of how to place value on what it is that you are. A lot of times you can be having a conversation as an influential person and not be knowing how much, how much that, that that's worth. And then somebody can come in with a little bit more wisdom than you with a couple of dollars and put value on it. 
and can put you in a position where they can collect off of it and give you what's left. Mm-hmm. And what's left of that may be more than you had. So you look right. at it like a come up. You and know, technology's true. changed that too, right? Yes, because right. it used to be, um, you know, a master was kind of one and done, right? People bought the CD, they bought the vinyl, and after a while those sales kind of like petered out. But with streaming now, you get paid on the master and the publishing side every time. Yeah. And so the, the revenue stream is much greater than it used to be. And, you know, to your point about ownership, a lot of times you want to own because you don't know how things are going to evolve. Right. So it was it was records one day and, and then it became streaming. And now you're in NFTs, which is, you know, kind of tangible on a, on the a digital digital side, too. But the value that can be unlocked over time, none of us can predict. So the mm-hmm. only thing you can do is control your ownership so that when that time occurs, you can you can uh, extract that value. And that's what any, that's in anything. I've never yeah. heard anybody, anybody being a part of something or having to um, uh, give their life to something that somebody else has ownership of and that person be happy in that situation. I don't care if it's mm-hmm. a lease on a house, a lease on a car. It's just always easier when you can make decisions and you mm-hmm. can make decisions and do stuff because it's hard to stay on the same page with people. You know, I, I went in, in partnerships with people and um, sometimes you just grow in different directions and that's, that, that affects you, you know, same with divorce. Mm-hmm. Divorce is just one big disagreement in ownership. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's like two companies going in two different directions and now you're trying to figure out who gets what, you know what I mean? Like, and oftentimes you can't agree on it. You got to find a mediator who's going to relegate things. You know what I mean? So when you, when you own just whatever that you're a part of, it just cuts all of that out, you know? Mm-hmm. So whatever may come up. Back in the day, it was the label taking your master and putting it on soundtracks without having to talk to you or putting it on like those late night shows. I mean, those late night infomercials where um, it'd be like a collage of a bunch of songs from back in the day. Just labels, labels trying to figure out new ways to make money off something that they own. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate the idea or the thought of, all of those great artists that that made those songs just somewhere just looking at that like somebody's collecting off of that mm. you know what I mean? like and i'm i'm somewhere on my deathbed and my children won't be able to reap the benefits of that because back in the day when i signed my deal i just signed what was standard in that moment mm-hmm. and things become standard in a moment when the person when the people in the moment who are signing those pieces of paper don't have an idea of how to how to fully fully utilize their talent and get the most out of it, you know what I mean? Like you just look at your left and your right and saying, "All right, well, he signed it, he signed it, so it must be okay." You know, what and I mean? that's getting flipped now. I don't know. If, have you heard about this black sheep lawsuit against UMG? I heard about it. They're suing yeah. them for seven hundred and fifty million dollars because back in the day, the way the recording agreements were was. You know, you got a royalty for the technology that they knew about back then. So CDs, records, vinyls, whatever whatever it was. And for anything that they hadn't anticipated, they said, okay, we'll, we'll give you a 50-50 split of the net profits. And so um, what so Black Sheep is saying- The language in the contract said that? That's what the language says. And, and most agreements like, you know, before like say 2000, right? You know, uh, before like people started thinking about streaming. And so um, what Black Sheep is saying is that UMG negotiated lower rates with Spotify in exchange for equity. 
Mm. So that equity really is for the music too. Yeah. And they should get a percentage of that equity. And if you like break it out, their, their equity stake in Spotify is worth roughly $750 million. Okay. So Black Sheep is saying they don't get all $750, but all the artists who had agreements like that should be able to chop that $750 up. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worth it. I mean, come on, man, hold them to the fire. Yeah. To the fire. It's, 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 I think he has a good, he has a good case. Yeah. Case. I think um, you, you're going to sign all those artists um, to a certain agreement. And then, you know, you knew at the point of things evolving that um, all of those acts that you had, you know, they, they may have been a little more stagnant in that moment than they were in previous years, but something to use as leverage to move forward in this new agreement you, that you're getting into that you didn't inform them about. Mm -hmm. I think it's something to be said there. I think it's a case there. Yeah. Case there. Maybe yeah. not much as he's going for but i mean that's what you that's what you do right you shoot high absolutely shoot high and see what happens because we're not gonna sit here and act like that they didn't they didn't contribute and it's yeah. not it's not it's not something that sony looked at and, and said to themselves that i can use this as one of the pieces of leverage because you upload that shit to, to, to streaming platforms people are streaming it man they're listening to it you're talking about classic records absolutely big yeah. time like you're talking about records that will never die yeah or die we're not talking about just regular hip-hop shit it's not regular this is a great that's greatness you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's like classic this. yeah there's no so yeah man I, oh shit, i'm rooting for him you know i want to ask you as we talk about ownership and valuing and and reggie's value of something might be different than mine and our sense of ownership and what we're going to do with it you know can be different you know when it came to something that we covered last year with you know the tensions within slaughterhouse how much was valuing that ownership really at the root of it of the tension yeah i mean of just what we watched play out last february um you know I, i'm gonna I'm speak just from my standpoint um mm -hmm. i don't want to i don't want to speak for anybody else um but value of, of ownership in that moment was um was the most important thing to me besides um, the brotherhood. Um, so I had a vision and a lot of my visions were rooted in being excited about the newfound ownership in that moment, which came from us asking for a release from the label Shady and being granted that release. So th that was done. So we had it outright done. 25, 25, 25, 25. We haven't been able to say that since the first E1 album. You know, so um, after all we had been through, um, Joe, Joe's success in the content space, um, his understanding of ownership, the value of it, um, his history of doing not just one deal, but many kinds of deals. Um, he has experience with going and doing deals and, 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 and negotiating something on the front end, taking that and moving forward and moving on to the next situation. We've done that plenty of times. We've also been in situations where we've been fortunate enough to find out what it feels like to reap the benefits of back-end money. So we've seen it both ways. So now it's like in this point in our careers, do we wanna just do like a record deal? You know what I mean? 
we can talk about it. It's something to discuss. But knowing that you have options and, and talking through those options and figuring out what works best for, for everybody isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do when you have people involved that, that aren't communicating as well as others that are involved. Um, we've had our most success as a group when we've been able to communicate through things. Hmm. Uh, we've had many disagreements. Nobody's ever, we've never, there's never been a time where somebody wasn't having something with somebody. Sure. So this is not like Crooked's issue with Joe. This is not a new thing. You know what I mean? Like it's not something that hadn't been brought to the table before. Uh, our last few conversations together as a unit to, to discuss business um, is when I personally felt like any issues should have been brought to the table. They were not. And were those, if I might ask, were those conversations you were speaking of the ones that the public watched in real time? No. Okay. Those weren't conversations. I was just mess. Mm. Conversations I'm talking about were, were productive ones, where we're all sitting on a conference call talking about our next moves for Slaughterhouse. Got you. So those, those conversations put me in a certain, in a certain mood, just in terms of the way that I'm looking at my my brand and what what my next moves are going to be um and we were having really in-depth discussions on you know like launching relaunching the brand relaunching the site relaunching the merch a lot of other things to consider outside of just making the album you know where are we going to record it at who are we going with well how do we feel about glass house do we want to pursue getting that music from shady do we want to just leave it there you know those kind of conversations so um when everything kind of like came to a head is when they went and put out the project the rise and fall of slaughterhouse and um that that project basically was them making an announcement to the world that slaughterhouse is over and um my reaction to that to answer your question my 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 overall look my overall outlook on ownership and the importance of it played a huge role in why i reacted to it that way that was one element and the other element was just feeling betrayed like the brother the, the brotherhood being mishandled for whatever reason you know mm -hmm. what i mean it happens um so when it happens in on a on a public forum and it gets done in such a public loud whistle blow pull the trigger type of way you know when you do when you do stuff like that it's just that there's going to be a reaction you know and um yeah. we're not going to always handle ourselves i'm not i'm not necessarily proud of the way that i handled it um i'm working on being in, in, in more in control of my emotions but it's very hard to like treat this shit like it's it's just business because it's not nothing that i do is just business you know anything that i do in the artistic in the artistic space i'm always going to have an emotional investment in it i think that's kind of like the same place that I pull from when I'm actually creating it, you know? So how can I not be attached to it? I haven't been able to separate myself from any music that I do. Yeah. I always like it. Before I release it, I always like it before you like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm attached to it before you get it. So when, that's why when you get it, if you criticize it, it's hard for me to, to, to just take that and stride. I'm automatically trying to figure out how, how to make you like it, how to get you to like it, because mm. I want you to feel what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? I think it's amazing when, when, when artists have that gift 
to where they can just take take it in stride. You know, have tough skin, nothing affects them. Everything just bounces off of them. I think that's an amazing, amazing characteristic to have. And I think you need that. And I, that's one of the things that I'm developing and I'm working on. You know what I mean? So, um, but I still look at the situation, how I look at the situation. Nothing, nothing's changed in terms of how I view. I still think, I still think that um I'm still disappointed in, in Crook. You know, like I just I still just think that his actions and the way that he handled that was just not characteristic of what I'm what he's shown me over the years. Mm-hmm. So it was a big, it was a letdown and I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed and I felt let down. I feel like I understand, I understand the way that he feels in terms of like with Joe. I've never, I've never asked Crooked to feel differently about Joe. I've never done that with any of them. I can't tell you how to feel. I can't tell you how, how things should affect you. How you feel is how you feel. You tell me how you feel. And then my job is your friend. And it's and a lot of times the mediator, I, I find myself in the spot as the mediator a lot of times. A lot of times my thing is just to be as fair and, and objective as possible. That's that's all I've ever tried to do. I've never taken any one side ever, you know, so, um, but just in terms of relationship, you know, me and Crook, well, my perception was me and Crook was closer than any of any of us. Mm-hmm. So um, I consider all of them friends, but I, me and Crook just talk more frequently, especially during the pandemic. So um, a lot of, no. a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my reaction was just more of a, it was a personal reaction. It was a, a being hurt on the personal, on the personal side, you know, so. Um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from on the ownership side. I mean, you made your views clear and Joe has too over the years publicly also, right? You know, he clearly walked away from complex, you know, um, because they weren't putting the right deal on the table. He knew what his worth was. You know, same thing with Spotify too. So it sounds like y'all were in similar places. And we really, talked earlier about tech. So, uh, um, we Reggie, talked earlier about tech. I don't mean to interrupt. I just want to bring yeah. Kino in that we'll talk more about having experience. I am here. Well. For sure. For sure. What's up, Kino? How you doing, what's up, man? What's up? It says Robert Miller. Which yeah. Is yeah. Hey, so we know who this Miller, is. AKA Kino Children. There we go. Um, Kino Grigio. How you doing, Royce? Man, we dressed alike today. <laughs> you know, Royce calls us my Denzel Washington at the at the uh, course I look, and he's dressed just like <laughs> So for <laughs> folks who don't know Kino, Kino is, um, you know, I think manager is a disservice because uh, he's much more than that. He's Royce's longtime business partner. They've been visionary. together for visionary. 20 plus years. Visionary, like, and, you know, full disclosure, a very, very good friend of mine, uh, a person who is, uh, he says this a, a lot to me, but like, uh, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna give him his flowers. One of the smartest people I know in this industry, um, one of the most stand up people, one of the most loyal people, one of those most visionary people in terms of seeing the future and then going after it and really going and getting it instead of just looking at it and watching it bypass them. So, uh, welcome. You know, we've been chopping it up Thank with Royce for a minute you. now. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. you only know three people in this industry, so. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so we, we've been talking about the heaven experience. Um, and we were asking Royce about, he gave us a really good in-depth answer about what people can expect and the fact that it's going to continue to build as time goes on. 
I know you had a big part in it too, and I know you've been deep in the crypto world. So what led you yeah. in this direction? Um, well, first of all, I apologize for being late. I had a, a prior conversation with my daughter. Um, but Wait, can they see you? No, they can't see you. Um, we can. We can see, see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not Robert Miller either. <laughs> that's not Robert Miller. That's my daughter, Kiana. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? We we the idea came right, I believe, during the pand pandemic, right? And we were sitting around, everything was shut down. We had just came off the, the allegory. Um, we just released the allegory. And I don't even know if you remember this, Royce, but Royce was like, yo, I wanted like we started talking about masterclass. He's like, yo, I'm really following this masterclass thing, man. It's like something I want, I want to do. Um, I, you know, he's he's been probably more so than me in the later years for us. Um, he's been very open and and about the idea of mentoring and, and giving back, right? Giving back. I think I'm saying that right, Royce. Um, and so when we, we were looking at this masterclass thing, I started kind of look at it and I'm like, I obviously masterclass is, is, is a amazing product but the thing i thought was after you watch this video right after i watch a video on royce talking about songwriting or whatever the case may be this guy's a genius at what he does right and he's been doing it for so long i don't know if i could watch a video on songwriting or a, a usher dancing video or a, what, 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 whatever uh francis for coppola directing video and actually understand how to do it right because these are all geniuses in their craft and so we came, when I hit him up, I said, listen, I got an idea of um, what if we take this idea and instead of just making a video series of it, create a platform where people can inter interact with us, right? And, and that's where it started. Um, and through the pandemic, it, we, 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 we spent a lot of time building it. And then recently when we started looking at Web3 development and where things were going, um, the idea kind of morphed into what if we take this idea of giving people the access and information, taking this, what we're doing now, right, in these environments and, and putting it into a VR and a more gamified experience and still giving people the idea um, or the, the access to a Royce 5.9, a Kino, a Teresa, a Reggie, a Jake, because if you're in Germany or if you're in Indiana somewhere, the industry kind of, it's hard to get in. And a lot of times the barrier of entry is harder and expensive because we you can only really go to New York, LA, and Atlanta to, to really get in the in the um the center of a hip hop community. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't live there, right? And it's growing more and more. So to have an experience as we began to build it out, it was about building community, obviously. It was about um taking some of Royce's earlier ideas of how to get the information to the up and coming creatives, um, artists, musicians, for me, executives, right? Where, where, where does a young manager go to learn the do's and don'ts, right? What, what, where does a young artist go to learn and can ask questions and interact, right? Um, with the Teresa to learn how to do press and, and the do's and don'ts of doing press. How do we give them easy access to this information? And how do we make it cool and fun and, and, and um, how do we make it where we can build a community around it, where it's just not those of us who are intricately involved in it, but peers being able to grow and ask and build together as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's an, it's an amazing thing to watch grow. Um, 
I, I would say a lot of it is um, my brainchild, but the heart and the soul and the direction is all Mr. Royce the Five Nines. Absolutely. Mm. So you mentioned mentoring. Um, Royce, I wanted to talk to you about this too. There's somebody, uh, oh, so uh, go ahead, Royce. I was a clubhouse addict for oh, a second. Word. Okay. I, clubhouse was like a, um, clubhouse is the platform that made me realize, and I think it made a lot of people realize how much we needed to be able to talk about stuff. Hmm. Like I, I didn't realize it until that until I had like a vehicle to do it, and I think I liked that platform the most early when it was when it was like when it wasn't so chaotic, you know what I mean, and, and it had less structure and it was like easier for me to curate my own little space and like really really control the flow of the conversation. Now when you get on there, it's like way more structured and it's way bigger, you know what I mean. But I think the people who build these platforms, I don't think that they have as much of an understanding of how to create a safe, comfortable environment for creators as creators do. You know, um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of something where we can go, but it doesn't feel like a tech agenda at all times. Mm -hmm. A and seminar. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like anywhere, anywhere that you can go in the world the more disarmed that you feel and the more comfortable that you're made to feel, the better, the better you'll perform in that situation. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is, even if it's just a conversation about something, like I, I remember as early as middle school and high, and high school playing basketball or just talking to my coach or talking to my principal or whatever, any, any of those situations where I felt like high levels of, of anxiety, I didn't like the way that the, that the that the conversation went, I was never able to perform or do well or feel well about anything if I was in a situation where I felt fear or I was concerned about being judged. I mean, I went through that through my whole school tenure. You know what I mean? Like not, not really doing well because I I wasn't I was only comfortable in the environment when I was like, when I met when I figured out a way to make it fun for myself. Like if there was some kind of like disconnect between me and the teacher or I didn't feel a connection to the teacher then I didn't perform well in that class mm. you know but like if I but I used to love going to school so I go to school to be social and that's what I that's what I uh prevailed at being social mm. I figured out how to become popular you know what I mean and I think that was one of the driving forces to, to me building the, the confidence to be able to perform in front of people uh, it may not have felt important in that moment to my parents, but it's something to consider. It's mm -hmm. relative because if, if your son or daughter now tells you that they want to be in the music business or they want to be a rapper, I bet you that it wouldn't it wouldn't be received the same way that it was received when I told my girl, my girl at the time, my wife's mom at the time that I wanted to be a rapper. And she was like, a, a what, honey? Yeah. <laughs> a rapper he was like oh you mean like the ones on the tv <laughs> so like at, at that moment you know people on tv at that moment were like inside of the tv you know inside of the tv was like a whole nother world it's like a far away enchanted place that no one can get to now with the with the way that technology has evolved and the internet has, has evolved 
it's just everything is being brought closer to you. So mm -hmm. you feel like these, these places are reachable. And you know, with VR shit, not only reachable, we in here now mm -hmm. and we all in here together. Yeah. And you know, you talked, you talked Royce earlier about stepping aside and making space for others. And Keno talked about mentoring. I know on your record, I don't wanna, there's an artist by the name of Courtney Bell, who y'all got a relationship with. And, and full disclosure, I've heard maybe eight or nine of his songs. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that the hair stood up on my arms, like, and that I had chills with this dude, no exaggeration. I am fiending for this to drop and for the public to get this. You but know, can you guys talk about him a little bit? Yeah, you know what's funny is that um, I think me and Royce both got people that we play music for. I don't even know. Like, I remember one time him and Jalen Rose talking. And Jalen was like, yeah, I was at heaven. And he's like, and I was like, wow, I didn't know you play. I think Jalen's probably somebody you play music for and respect his opinion. Mm -hmm. For me, that's Reggie, right? And it started off uh, competitively because I was I, <laughs> I was pro Slaughterhouse and he was pro TDE. And so we- And Slaughterhouse. And Slaughterhouse. <laughs> But we had to bet who would have, who was gonna do the better cipher. And I wanna say I did win that bet. But <laughs> so Reggie is always somebody who, you know, from the very beginning of our relationship, is somebody I've always respected um, musically. And it started off just like that. I wanna say it was Layers was the first album I played you. Um, yep. I was like, you gotta hear this Royce album. And it was Layers. Mm -hmm. And then it was Book of Ryan. I was like, listen, you thought the last album was crazy. This is gonna be his best album to date. And, and we went prime and prime two, prime, yeah, prime two, and then allegory. So we hadn't seen each other for a while because obviously we've been different coasts and missing each other. And you've been building empires. Pandemic. I called him Royce, and I said, uh, "This is the first project that me and Royce, the first artist that me and Royce have a hundred percent agreed on to both um, work with." Right? Obviously, twenty five years. He's liked a lot of people, um, and and. It just never came, it just never jailed for us like that. And obviously vice versa. This is the first person that I think we both kind of met and heard and spoke to her. It was like, this guy is special. And so Royce, I called Reggie. We hadn't speak, seen each other in a minute. We hadn't talked in a minute. I said, okay, you know the routine. I, I, don't, I don't say this that often, but you got to hear Courtney Bell. And I, and I, I said, this is, he's going to change the game. And he said, really? I said, I haven't lied to you yet. And he came through the crib. We sat in the car, old school style, got in the Jeep, plugged the phone up, and I played him probably like, yeah, six, seven records. And, and then I just, I played him a, a new record recently. Um, and, and Reggie, you can kind of say what you are, what you think from there. I think he's incredible. He is a person who, so for me, what resonates the most, and we talked about this earlier with Royce too, is when people speak their truth. You know, and uh, come to it with a vulnerable point of view that is authentically theirs. And this dude is talking about things from his perspective that very few people are talking about, period. Certainly not people his age. And he's doing so in a way that is incredibly artful in terms of his flow and his lyricism. To me, he is in the same breath as a Kendrick, a J.I.D., a Cole, a Royce, you know, people like that who've got that gift. Um, and I think he's going to be special. And then the whole package is there. Um, 
and he's got a different perspective than most people do too. So, you know, he's talking about everything for, I mean, from like the, the stuff that's going on that, that's dragging us down to how to open up your mind to, and to, and to, uh, you know, be, <laughs> he's trying to say, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but Royce, I, I want to hear, I want to hear your, your thoughts on, 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 on this young man. Well, the first thing that stood out to me was his personality and his, um, he has a very mature perspective of the world. You know how you call somebody an old soul? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's like he's been through, he's been through what we've all, all of the things that we've all been through, but just in a shorter amount of time, at least that's the way that it kind of comes off. And I think it speaks to, it speaks to the point that you were making earlier um, about the importance of, of guys like Jay-Z and myself being vulnerable in that way at that age, at that time and place in their career, in our careers. Because what that does is it influences the youth and it touches them in a different way and it makes them realize that it's okay at your age. It's okay at your age to change your perspective and to start being intentional with the way that you grow. Um, Because there's a stigma in our culture associated with growth aging like people literally go into a state of panic in our culture we're just growing up like i think black thoughts big beard with all the gray in it and him being able to rap so good and him presenting it to you that way is powerful man you know what i mean like that i don't think there's ever going to be a time where that right there in itself is marketed to everybody as successful but it is it is you know what i mean like everything is not about sitting on the top of the charts for 15 years in a row you're not like you come in and subscribe to that you know and be open to the possibility of that happening but it's more than a thousand ways to skin a cat in this culture Hmm. you can access the world you know what i mean and and success the more that you achieve the more subjective that it starts to become because you know like you can be chasing what you what you what you perceive success to be and it can make you extremely unhappy and if it does, God forbid, that at some point is going to affect the success. So I think that he understands how important peace of mind is. And um, his whole overlook outside of the music is what I think is going to ultimately be his tipping point, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. the, music, the music is just a byproduct at this point, man. Like, it, it's never, it's not as much about talent as it used to be. And then I think even when we thought that it was back then, it wasn't as much as we thought. Mm-hmm. Just like anything else, the NBA, the NFL. I mean, there's always a street legend that supposedly was better than everybody that was in the league. There's always that guy. Yeah. You didn't see him, but you believe it because mm-hmm. it's like the whole streets is in, in agreement that this guy is better than Michael Jordan. He can jump up and snatch a penny off the top of the backboard. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever seen it. Well, why didn't he make it? Oh, yeah, he had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, shit. When the when are we gonna focus on the drug problems then? Mm-hmm. Because when we've never had an issue with talent, so when he came in and he playing me these amazing records, he, he he he's not doing anything that I didn't already expect. It's just like we we great, we're great. I'm not I'm I'm not about to be t- taken aback by your greatness as an artist. I'm gonna be taken aback by your ability to be able to critically think 
mm. as a young black man in a business that doesn't arm you with the information that it takes to be successful. It's a system that's designed to chew you up, spit you out, eat you alive. So to have somebody that's open-minded enough to come in and um, be willing enough to, to reap the benefits of, of the information that's being given to them in good faith, you know, like, cause we didn't always listen to advice. Like I certainly didn't listen to my parents' advice so much, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I realized later in life how valuable wisdom is, man. I wish I could sit down and talk to one of our forefather rappers or, or mm-hmm. groups of our forefather rappers, even, even though I didn't really listen to them that much, just because it's only but so far I could go back. But I wish I could just pull wisdom from them. I wish there wasn't a disconnect from, from, from error to error to error to error to error. I wish there wasn't an imaginary competition there, but more of a, you know, if you can teach me, I can teach you. How do we get rid of this division that's between us? You know, how do we, when, when do we break free of the chains of them not doing it the way that we did it? So now we feel like they're changing it. You know what I mean? Like it, st- it starts in the mind, you know what I mean? So just being able to make that connection with him and him being sort of like uh, feeling like he's connected to me and um, not feeling like he's dealing with somebody who kind of like fell off who he don't want to listen to what we're creating is is the equalizer you know the young the youth that can speak to the youth from both from both perspectives Mm. it's like having a translator it breaks down language barriers and i think it's necessary and i think that the 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 characteristics that we see in the artists of today who are considered great i think that's what we see that's different from everything else they are the language barrier guys they break through they understand that generations that came before them, you can hear it in their music. You know, they're not closed off. They're not coming from a from an uninformed place. Kendrick is enlightened beyond his years. He studied, you can tell, and it shows. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the Pulitzer Prizes and the, all of the all of the awards and trophies that are associated with high level art. You know, so I mean, yeah. and it's a it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, man. Like. Michael Jackson is just some, somebody who I just loved everything about him. Not just his music, just everything. So it's just like, it's just like, I just feel like that's cultivated. Like Ike Turner making them just do it over and over and over and over again. You know, we, we, we reap the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. No Jackson. We reap the benefits of Floyd May- Mayweather being made to be in the gym at eight years old. Beyonce being trained since she was a, a child. That's that's how you got Coachella at its highest level. Nobody could do that shit like B. Yeah. You know what I mean? Steph Curry. He'd been in the gym since he was a, a pup before he was strong enough to even throw the ball and reach the basket. Hmm. People think that he just became a robot out of the blue. Nah, that was nurtured. His dad, his dad knew what to do. His dad had already been through that same system. He knew he could create, he could create something that would change the world. And that's how you change the world. You continue to disseminate information and pass it down from generation to generation in a non-competitive fully intentional revolutionary way and every time we've seen it we've seen success every single time you don't miss that's the process never miss when that's the process you don't miss when you shoot a thousand jumpers a thousand jumpers at practice before the game when the opening tip you start shooting from half court and you don't miss 
Kobe didn't miss because he just he, there never was a time where he didn't practice. Mm-hmm. You know, so. so on that note, Royce, like you know, you talked about not wanting to end up like Ozzy Osbourne, right? And you've been very outspoken about stepping away from drinking and you know other destructive substances. But from my vantage point, it's more than that for you. You know, it's also about, you know, you taking great care in what you eat, what you drink, your fitness. I haven't heard as much about that. And I think that's something that we, especially as black men, you know, need to hear more. So can you talk about those aspects of your lifestyle a little bit? Yeah, well, based off everything that I've been through during the pandemic, um, my sobriety journey has been a very interesting one because what I'm learning about it is that you can in order to be truly sober, you have to have a, a, a firm understanding of what sober is. You can stop drinking and just dry out, you know, and, and kind of coast, you know, for the sake of telling people that you haven't had a drink in a certain amount of time. But if you don't start taking steps in life to, um, because now that you're dealing with everything in real time and you don't have a substance that you, that you can take that can kind of like, take you take you away from that and you not have to worry about it you know what i mean like you got to deal with everything in real time so what i started to notice about myself is that without even needing alcohol i i can still engage in destructive addictive behaviors um you can relapse in behavior so i was having behavioral relapses which, you know, I mean, shit, if it's going to affect your business and your personal relationships and your emotional state and well-being, then well, shit, you might as well just drink. At least you can be drunk while you're doing it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it was like when I started to look at those things and I started to um, be more cognizant of just self-policing and being int- intentional about um, being a change that I, that I want to see, not even just to the world, but just in the lives of the people that I love and um, losing people, um, brothers through health issues or losing people because of, of, of a decision that one of us made in our relationship where we're no longer friends anymore. Like I, instead of, I felt like instead of me complaining about what people are doing that I feel people are doing um, to either wrong me or something that I feel that they've done where it's their fault. Well, they had their side of the story. It may be something that I've done that they think is my fault. The only thing I can do is try to figure out what the lesson is here. What's the lesson in that? And the only way to learn that lesson is to be able to hold yourself accountable for whatever role you played. That's the only solutionary way to look at it. How do I keep myself out of this situation in this position again? I don't like the way it feels. So now any relationship that I'm in, I'm just a, a little bit more intentional about making sure that I deliver on the things that I would like to see reciprocated, you know? And so far it's working out great. And the only way that I can do that is to make sure that I keep myself in the position to where I can show up as my highest self as Ryan Montgomery at all times. And I cannot do that eating processed food every single day. I can't do it if I'm, if I'm sick or if I don't feel well. Yeah, McDonald's fries, they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that's an addiction that's like that's psychology right there mm. you know um yeah just working out like i've always liked the way that i feel working out um i just i just have to keep it in my mind at all times that it, it can't be something that i just do in binges 
So working on finding finding more of a consistency with just lifestyle, where I'm living my life a certain way, and then I'm 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 factoring things into my day that I used to give my entire existence to, which is the music. I never wanted to feel like that I was hitting the clock, but in my older years, I'm starting to realize that I can probably be a little bit more efficient with some structure. You know, and I'm the only one who can create that structure. So in order for me to be able to even have the mind frame to do it, I got to be at my my high my highest self. You know, mm-hmm. because I'm 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 finding that I have to multitask now more so than any other time. It was it used to be a point in time where I could just kind of let Keno worry about the business, and I'm just sitting here and just focus on just the music. That's a formula, and um, it works. Just depending on what you're looking for. You know how hard it is to 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 work with somebody after 25 years and they get just this sharp. <laughs> like <laughs> he's like a Jedi now. I I like his his it, it used to be a time where I used to really I would debate Royce on anything. I'm I'm extremely proud of my brother um and the growth and maturity and um the desire to grow and learn more like he'll send me book ideas now he'll he'll you know every every he'll, i'll be eating something he'll be like oh yeah you need you like he'll talk to me about my diet which hasn't been the case for 20 something years right I, like when i listen to him and i watch him now i mean this this man is so sharp now i'd be one to debate him i think last the other day we were we were i was upset over some music stuff and i didn't handle it the best way and he was like the, the way he talked to me it was like all right, I guess I gotta grow up, man. It's 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 really interesting for me as 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 um his mentor, right? His savior. Um, to, watch him, to watch him grow and mature into the man he's becoming. Even even as you know, and he's always been a, an amazing father, um, and, and and husband. But even to watch him, um, don't lie to the people. But we don't do lie. we do the best we can, right? We do the, we do the best we can. That's different from being great. Well, we do the best we can, but to watch him, like, I can call Royce, I remember one time, he got mad at me. We had an argument because he was like, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning, you go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, something, 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 and we got to argument. Now he's like, I'm like, I can call him at seven in the morning, I'll be like, what's up? And he'd be like, I'm just going to drop the dog, my, my kids off at the bus, and then I'll be right back. Like, to watch him grow in all of these ways and to still be a sharp MC, to still be able to, to say things that um, make other people think. Um, and to be Zen, like, you know, he's, he's, he's like a monk now. He's a monk to five nine. <laughs> but it's not, like a, it's, it's not like one of those things where you know, you ever met somebody who start reading and they read a book or two and then they just got to quote the book as if that's their lifestyle? He's not that. Like he's he's literally living um, the lifestyle that he's that he's designing, and I and I think it's an amazing thing to watch. Um, I'm gonna keep eating McDonald's fries. Some one of us got to be unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you both about that. You know, it's funny. I met. Royce and Keno the same day, 2002 in the fall, like right as Rock City 2.0 was coming out. And I back when I had a Rolodex, like <laughs> had your names one after the other. 
And like you just said, Kino, you know, you guys have been working together for more than 25 years. And as you just said, Kino, it's not always been smooth sailing. You both reunited after a couple of years. Um, just because, you know, Kino, you, you, do, you have done some press with Royce. I'd love to hear, you know, about the break and what ultimately drew you two back together. Because I'll say it as somebody who's known you both loosely. I'm really happy about it. Um, you know, he couldn't really survive without me. All of this, all of this newfound knowledge and game just didn't work with. You know what? Um, no, we never really. I, 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 would, I mean, listen, we've been, you know, best friends for. I mean, my entire. I don't. I. I don't think I have. I may have one friend that I've had in my life longer than him. Um, so I think you do go through changes. You know, I, I think there's. You know, I think we grow. We, we want different things for the, our entire career. He's never cared about business. Um, and that's and that's not true. he's always been a creator. Yeah, no, nah, you didn't. No, nah, you didn't. But he's, no, nah, you didn't. But he's way more. He didn't care about meetings. Okay, he didn't care about it, which is part of business. <laughs> like the you got to meet about business. <laughs> even in the break, this is the one thing I always tell people, um, because I think the, the, he is a brother to me, right? Again, my daughter, Kiki, who just left, he's Uncle Royce, right? And so, you know, my children have grown up with him. Um, to, you do get to a point where it's like, okay, where do we go now? And, I, and Reg, we were talking about this the other day. I think the, the greatest, some of the greatest careers are based on that connection between artists and management, right? I can, I can always see when somebody's career is changing. My first question is always, Where's the manager at? Because I just think we 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 understand where all the bodies are buried. It's just certain things. I I know his career very well. That being said, yeah, sometimes we need breaks. The 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 thing that I think makes our relationship so solid is even when we disagree, it, we didn't speak about it publicly. You know what I'm saying? Um, we didn't speak on each other in any negative way publicly, and never have. Right? I think so. When we spoke. I remember the first time we spoke, I came, I came to the studio and we, I don't think we spoke for like, uh, I don't know, it might be eight months. Like we didn't speak at all. And we were talking and I was just talking about what was going on. I don't even know if he noticed, but I got, I got a little teary. I got a little misty eye, right? Mm -hmm. um, because one, we have never, I don't think we've ever gone. Other than that, I don't think we've ever gone even a week without talking. I don't think we've ever not just not spoke. Um, so I mean, was there something that happened that drew, drew you back together? I mean, that's a lot. Like, what was the spark to get you back together at that point? I mean, that's my brother. I, 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 I probably missed him on some, some, in some way, shape, form. I don't know what, what was, was. And then Teresa was like, "Y'all gotta talk. Y'all gotta talk." And everybody, we got the same circles for the most part. So it's not even like, even if we ain't talking, we talking to the same people. Um, for me, um. This business is what it is. Like I, I could, I could, I could, I could probably do something else, and I have done other things and have been just as fulfilled. I, I, I like building things. I like seeing the success in things and, and challenges, right? But when you look at a relationship, when you look at a brotherhood, that that supersedes any business, right? And so for me, it was like, damn, like, good day or bad day, right? I mean, I, I went through, um, you know. A second divorce and we never we didn't get to speak about it he's somebody who who has been through every up and down in my life and i would probably as an as an since 20 and i would assume for him as well so um 
I think for me, it was just more, it was just unnatural. It was just, it was just a feeling of being unnatural. And I don't think we went straight back to work and then we just end up like, okay, now here we are. And, and it's, you know, it's back to work. But again, I think we're in different spaces, different levels of respect, um, different understandings, uh, different uh, expectations. And I think that break was probably needed just to kind of settle that back and be like, all right, cool. Now, now, now how do we approach this? And, and you know, he's not a 20, uh, 19 year old kid. You know, he's he's a I don't even know how old he is, 45 with no gray hairs. I don't really understand that either. <laughs> I don't understand. But uh, I mean it just it just came, it just it happens the way it's supposed to happen. It happens the way it's supposed to happen. I don't I don't think there's ever gonna be a time in our lives where we just uh there won't be any relationship there. I don't think we even especially now where we're we're grown grown men. There's, there's, there's nothing that's gonna, for, at least for me, that's gonna ever break that bond. But you do need a break. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes in a, in a relationship, especially the long-standing ones, you get presented with points of contention where it's like you just gotta like, it's like a crossroads of sorts. Like you, you, you forced to make really, really hard, tough decisions. You know, like because. You, you connected two people together that like we never were that much alike you know like managers and artists are never alike you know he didn't like me when he first met me by the way i didn't dislike you <laughs> i didn't dislike you i just you you wasn't a rapper you just was in there <laughs> so it's like you know when i went to the ebony showcase back in the day that's an open mic where i where i was able to um cultivate my um my confidence and my talent as a as an mc not only not only me as a as a lyricist uh, writer but me as a performer you know the first time i performed the first time i rapped at the hip-hop shop i got booed i got gonged so um they chewed me up and spit me out they were too evolved so if it wasn't for the ebony showcase i don't think i would have developed my confidence enough to even be in a mental state to go back to the hip-hop shop they were too good like elzai was too good he was doing shit with the words that I had never heard before. So I was able to go there to have me showcase and I kind of became like the man up there. And looking back on it, I realized how important confidence is, especially in youngins growing up. You got to believe enough in yourself to be able to see it, the vision, in order to be able to actualize the vision. You know what I mean? So um, the, the situation that I got put in at the hip hop shop, that shit had me thinking about second guessing rather I wanted to do it you know what I mean so when Kino was in there I was in there to meet rappers you know I wanted to connect with other rappers and get better he's the first person who approached me about anything who wasn't a rapper so his thing was like yo I got I got my cousin up in Grand Rapids you know he <laughs> clan. it was like the first time that I had been politic with you know what I mean like that was my first that was my first experience with networking Lincoln build. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, not, not a little bit difficult for me back then, the mental state that I was in to um, cultivate a, a relationship um, on the business side of a business that I haven't even given any thought to in terms of business yet. The only thing I thought about was just like red man hearing me rap and him liking it. Like in my mind, that was like, shit, if I can get there, I, I made it. I can die. You know what I mean? Like that's how it was kind of like that. It was like, 
I was in it strictly for, you know, the art, the art and um, being a practitioner, being a, as best at the mechanics of making music as I can possibly be. So our relationship just flourished over time. Um, and it was it was a it was a true testament to our genetic and human predisposition to prejudgment. You know what I mean? Like it's like we we're all we're all putting labels on each other prior to meeting each other based off of things. Rather it be some some picture in our mind that we created from movies that we watch or the way somebody dresses or the way somebody speaks or the way. And then it was a car ride, like a long car ride that we had, because he convinced me to go to Grand Rapids. So it was a long car ride that we had. <laughs> it was just like having a chance to speak to somebody who you didn't plan on building a relationship with, and then realizing that we're not we not as different as we're more alike than we are than I thought we were different. And I think that's any situation any situation that you go into um, where you're not just shooting for your comfort. You know, we already been kind of like programmed to be that way from the lunch, the lunch room at school. You know, you got the cool kids in that section. You got the handicapped kids in that section. You got the the ethnic kids in that section. You got, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody's, everybody's sitting where they're comfortable at. And I just remember looking at the cool kid table and thinking to myself, by the time I get to the eighth grade, I want to be sitting at that table because they're cool to me. And now you've been sitting at my table for 20 something years. <laughs> yeah. So that works out for you. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just like, but I remember in those moments feeling like I could have sat at a lot of these tables. You know what I mean? So cool is a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's more of a social construct than it is anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was looking at, you know, like the clothes and shit that they had. Anybody can buy clothes. It don't necessarily mean that you're cool. You know what I mean? So that way of seeking validation at that young age is um that's an interesting thing. So with Kino, it was just uh it was just realizing that we're a little bit more like-minded than we thought. And um me kind of understanding what his role would be and um learning throughout the process to to articulate what it is that I need from him in these moments. And and I think that if you look at our situation, what you can take from it is that you can actually go into a business that doesn't supply you with the information with people who don't have any information. All we have that we agree on is a trust. And as long as you can fight through the things that both sides are going to do wrong, as long as you can fight through those things, you can experience all the longevity that comes with that. You know what I mean? It's just really, I see a lot of artists kind of crashing out. Like they just give up, they break so to speak you and, know and when you, I mean, do that, when you do that you make rap you make decisions that affect you they affect you if not now much later you know but maintaining some st stability and adding some structure in your life as well as your career and picking another person who's ready to go to war with you i mean that's marriage that's that's anything but you need that in this business you know a lot. I got a son who's trying to get into business now. He's super, super talented. Super he's talking to managers and shit like that. And it's just like, I'm happy for him. I'm excited for him. But at the same time, I'm like, you about to go through it. You just have no idea. You about to go through it because they got all this information and shit now. It's like the way that they talk. It's just like, yo, y'all think entirely too fucking much. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is fun to watch though. 
it's fun to watch. It's like he came in with a spreadsheet one time and was like, it's like, bro, just make music. I uh I did your son's bio and it, he didn't want me to know the connection. Like I love how strategic yeah. he is and he leads with talent, not I don't even want to say his name, but like he leads with talent and that says so much. I'm like, well, you're of that completely, pedigree. Completely and he, please, because yeah. when people think Royce, they think his son is going to be something different from what he is. Don't you know if you're watching this and listening, do not think Royce five nine and whoever, because it's completely different and mm. and amazingly talented obviously a, a great kid um but just different just did reg like how you said the tiny desk kid that the, the guy that you told me to watch um yeah not duran bernard yeah not yeah. that left but just in terms yeah. of extremely talented and fearless and what he does yeah that boy's that he's, he's amazing and mm. and i think you know another thing that i think worked for me and Royce is we have a lot of similarities but then we 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 have a lot of differences like we don't agree on everything so when we when the album is done and we both feel good about it I know we have something like I, I and and I don't I don't say yes on anything right if I don't like it I tell him I don't like it or and, and sometimes he'll, he'll be strong in his opinion just but like wait till I finish um then he's normally right in it right um, I think that's been a, a huge part of the second part of our success, right? Mm -hmm. I would say sometime after uh, layers, layers on to now. Um, and, and his character, I will, I will tell you a story. We were, this was probably about 2004. I think it was you had just got out of jail and we were doing shows with G-Unit at the time. And um, we didn't have a lot of money. We was trying to figure it out. And we go do a show in Ohio. You remember the story, Royce? I know you do. I am being a complete dick. I'm drunk. It's a, it's a nice size cruise, and we get paid. Mind you, we don't have a lot of money. Might have got paid twenty five hundred or five thousand dollars. Whatever we got paid was the probably the money we had, right? And I'm showing out, and it's a girl there. And I'm waving the money in her face and I'm smacking around the money and I'm arguing with women. Completely out of character. The girl says, let's go back to the room. I'm drunk. I'm like, bet. We go back to the room. I'm sharing a room with my man. My man leaves. I lay down and she's like, um, yo, I'll be right back. I got to go to the, um, I'm going to go get some condoms. I said, all right, bet. I'm laying in the bed for a minute. I'm like, you know what? I better take my money out. I put the money under the bed. I said, let me take the money from under the bed and put it in the safe. I go under the bed to grab the money. It's gone. <laughs> She's so, I must have, I was so drunk. I must have passed out. Mm. She took the money, lost all the money. It's probably 15 dudes with us. 13 other dudes, and the 15 including probably me and Royce. The 11 to 12 other guys who out of the camp also Royce fire. If that was me, I'd fire him right now. Mm. You know what his response was? There is nothing I could say or do that would make him feel worse than how he could possibly feel right now. Just leave him alone. 
that's one of the stories I remember when I think of going some time without speaking or 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 taking some time to regrow. I can't forget that story because one, I was completely out of pocket. Two, I was being completely unprofessional at every level. Um, three, here's a guy who trusts me, his career, which takes care of his family in my hands. We weren't doing good at the time financially and being a dick, I lost probably every penny that we had in that moment. And his response was, there is nothing I could say that will make him feel worse than he already feels right now. Leave him alone. And then we probably went and got drunk together. <laughs> he went so real. But I mean, that's like, and that's always been him, you know, whether drunk or sober, right? I think he's just grown into, he feels so much more comfortable with who he is to me as somebody who watches him now, right? Um, but he's always had that type of character. He just, he, I think he just needed to figure out at what point in his life was he going to reach the person he is now. I think musically, as a matter of fact, I'm a bet musically, I think we're gonna hear the best music of his life. I think he's going to set the bar again. And I think he's gonna say things that we've never thought he would say. So on, on that note, uh, I do wanna ask about new music. Um, one, it's been a minute since you had a solo album. I know you released the Heavenly People. I know that was, you know, things that you had in the chamber. Um, so, you know, I want to hear about that. Um, I've heard that there might be a Prime 3 project. You know, I don't know if, if, if that's true or not. And then I know that you, Royce, back in, I think it was 2018, actually told the world to spam M about a Bad Meets Evil project, uh, a sequel. Uh, so... What can y'all tell us about any of those projects? Well, I'm definitely putting out my solo album. I think he's kept me in the background for long enough. Um, <laughs> this nigga's been hating on me my entire career. <laughs> in office. I wrote half the albums that he put out. Um, I didn't get credit for them. So I'm just, you know, I'm ready to just come out with that, with that dial on. All right. Okay. Bobby Brown album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, prerogative. No, I, I'm um I'm definitely I'm definitely working on some some new stuff. Uh, I just been focusing on just being really kind to myself and um just taking my time. This is like the first time, the first time I felt the need to take a break, you know, like just put my foot on the on the brake a little bit. So I've been chilling, I've been chilling. But um, Prime Three, Bad Me Evil. I just look at those. I look at those situations like like situations that I'm just I'm I'm just grateful. To, to have those situations. And I'm just, I'm gonna be real intentional moving forward with just making sure that I'm always in good standings with, with these guys that I've formed alliances with who contributed to my career and in my life in, in any way. I think it's easy to undervalue that when you just, when you're seeing success, you know what I mean? And um, I've experienced what it feels like to be successful with somebody. And then when it slows down, it kind of like, it, it, it withers away. And then I've also, experience what it feels like to not being open to, to, to collaborating at all and going against my better judgment and collaborating and reaping the, and seeing the benefits of that could come from from collab being collaborating with people um being able to build a whole brand with dj premier it's like 
I don't even know if I could put in the words how important that that is. Mm. So anything that we do, especially moving forward, I'm gonna make sure that it's the best, the best shit that I've ever done. Same with Marshall. You know, when we get in there again, whenever that is, if we get in there again, if he if he feels like it, if the conversation comes up, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna try and push him as hard as we ever we ever could push each other. You know what I mean? Because I know. Mm-hmm. I know that's what he's going to be looking for me to do. I know what my role is when I go over there. That's his house. When I go over there, my role is to come and put my foot in his ass and push him. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? So I'm excited about the possibilities of that, but I know I've watched Marshall over the last couple of years, kind of just going through a transitional period himself, just figuring things out. You know, um, I can, I can only imagine the kind of pressure that comes along with being somebody on his level and um, can, can, competing against all of these different bars that he set himself for not just himself, but MCs around the world over the last 20 or so years, you know, um, that's gotta be fucking tough, man. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do lyrically or, or, or creatively at this point? How do you, what's the, how do you bring that across? And, um, I told him I thought he should take a break. And he ain't, he's not trying to hear that. You know what I mean? So he's a machine. You know what I mean? So I can't really like, I can't really pinpoint to you when he's going to feel like collaborating. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you can call me at any day and I can go over there and we can do some shit. You know, I can be on his album. I can jump on a song where he may have heard something. But in terms of just coming together and doing like a whole project, um, it's just got to be the right time. You know, mm-hmm. that's one, it's one of those things that can come up in any conversation that me and him are having because we speak all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just want I just want all my friends to be well. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, yeah. when I talk, when I get on the phone with guys, man, I, I barely be wanting to bring up music unless we just like, unless we just we having a creative call. You know what I mean? So it's like Prem is my friend. So when he calls me, it's like it take about an hour of semantics and 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 how are you and pleasantries before we even can get to any business if that's the purpose of the call. And I like it like that. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not really like pushing or rushing to do anything creatively. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's been my, that's been my, the whole speed, the whole flow this entire time, the, the entire time that I've been here. So I want to get a little bit more in control of just the tempo, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and not, not be feeling like that I'm in a race against the clock and not feeling like everything is pressure. Everything ain't got to be pressure. You know what right. I mean? Like some things just are what they are. Mm. Organic. So, yeah. So I got one last question for y'all. And it's on a thing that we talked about a lot today. Um, it's about growth. You know, you know, Royce, I've seen, you know, from you, a lot of evolution from your early solo career to Slaughterhouse to Bad Meets Evil to Prime to this grown man rap era that you've been in, to becoming a producer and a studio owner, the metaverse, and now an executive, right? Like the, the growth is like, is very tangible, like visible. Kino, I've seen it with you behind the scenes being your friend for, for 10 years now, you know? Um, Andrean, I ain't, gonna talk, I ain't gonna tell that story though. No, we're not gonna tell, we're not gonna tell that story. <laughs> Uh, but you know, uh, from us competing, uh, seeing you as a manager into, you know, a, a, a single father into a, a person who is an expert on the crypto world, a visionary in the metaverse, 
like a full-fledged multi-hyphenate businessman. You know, I want to ask both of y'all how much of that evolution had organic versus being, you know, and and life life circumstance or plan strategy. You want me to go that take first, Royce? Um, I would say it, it. A lot of it felt organic, but as I look back at the many, many, many conversations we've had, um, and we have them every year, where we want to go, what we love about the last year, what we want to change. We're both extremely competitive with everything we see in the industry. Um, I would say it, it. It has to be planned. But when when I look at someone, our careers and you know the lifestyle we've lived and we live and things we've been able to do, I might even just say it was ordained. We was gonna be here regardless. You know this is just it just was gonna happen. Um, I, I I don't I don't so I don't I can't really pinpoint if it's organic. If it's planned or if it's ordained, um, but I can say every ounce of success we got out this game, we took it. It wasn't given to us, you know. We've had a lot of help. Um, we've had a lot of support. We've had some great people like yourself and Jake, who's, who's always come through when we when we've called, right? Um, and that goes without saying, but some, and you know me very well, I always say this about you, Raj, like, and I hope you don't get mad at me for me saying this, but I'm always in awe that someone who has a law degree from, from Harvard, y'all don't know this, he has a law degree from Harvard, um, who being a kid from Detroit growing up, we wouldn't even supposed to cross paths in my mind, right? I'm not supposed to be in Fort Lee, New Jersey with my nephew just keeps walking across the screen in my mind, right? I don't know, I don't, I could take credit for how hard we fought to get here. I could take credit for how hard we will continue to fight to go beyond where we are. But I think all, all praises go to Allah. Like I, I don't, I don't think it, it. For me, I don't think I can say it any any better than that. Um, so I don't know if that fully answers your question. But for, um, me, for me, it's about eighty twenty. I say eighty percent, eighty percent life happening to me, uh, learning my most valuable lessons from from bad experiences. Hmm. Most valuable lessons, all from mistakes. Uh, I didn't always listen. To people um so i had to learn the way that i had to learn 20 percent of it i would say was me being intentional with wanting to take in information there, there were long periods of time where i was kind of like coasting on cruise control not really not really thinking about taking in information just thinking that you know shit is just gonna happen you know but you can't that's not realistic you have to educate yourself that's in all walks of life you know, we got this habit of like, since we're kind of trained this way, we go to school, you know, like we get our high school diploma. Some of us go to college and we get out of college and then it's just like, okay, 
done with learning. That learning shit was cool. I'm glad that I got that out of the way. Now I can go have fun. You know what I mean? And it, it's like, it's kind of the beginning of the end. And I was just talking to the youngins, some of my youngins in the kitchen earlier. And um, I was asking them if they had ever been to one of their high school reunions. And I was telling them that, that they should go because I, when I experienced my high school reunion, it was very interesting to me because for the most part, I was I was bumping into people who I hadn't seen since high school. So we talking about 10 or so years where I went on, traveled the world, met a whole bunch of people, took in a whole bunch of substances to kind of mess my brain up and my memory. And um, everybody has has their new form, their new their new adult form. Everybody has their adult weight on them. You know, I was 145 pounds in high school. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we're literally talking about completely different people. Nobody was drinking, doing drugs, and none of that shit. So it's just like, so when I started to see people and reconnect with people, some people I didn't remember. And I remember I could see that that was tr troubling to them. And it made me feel bad. You know what I mean? Because it's like, damn, I didn't I didn't remember this person, but I could tell that they thought we were close, which we probably were back then. And then I was telling them that I also, and this is the reason why I brought it up, is because I I feel like I was able to like look at different people who were my friends, and I can tell like who kind of gave up hmm. and who's still fighting just by just by everything. It's like a mentality, it's like certain comments few instances I felt like I was kind of being insulted I was kind of being insulted with compliments you mm -hmm. ever had that happen mm -hmm. it's yeah. like it's like a it's like a it's like you're being insulted with compliments women do that to me all the time sometimes sometimes it's like you can tell when somebody's supporting you and then you can also tell when somebody's like giving up is what I kept telling them it was hard for me to articulate to them but you ever feel like somebody you just kind of like set, settle like you you like a certain type of girl when you're growing up when you you love beautiful women and then you go to jail or something and then next thing you know you just end up just being with the girl who wrote you letters like you just mm. you just gonna settle for the one who just was there and that's it you're gonna go that's to work safe, right i, I think i think you're gonna I think live within the parameters of this like this script i'm gonna go to work every day you know i'm gonna have my beer at this time I'm not going to take care of myself. I'm just going to sit on this couch and I'm going to just watch TV and I'm going to just, you know what I mean? Like, and it's kind of like when you see somebody and it depends on if it's somebody who you feel like had a mark in life, had a mark that they could have hit, but they just kind of like just gave, gave up. It was like a real ill to me. I damn near wanted to write a song just about it. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, we all were like in the fight. When we were in high school, everybody wanted to like go to the highest plateau. You, you couldn't ask one kid what they wanted to be, and they didn't tell you some high level shit, brain surgeon. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just mm -hmm. like, damn, did they really get the opportunity to to to, to utilize their full potential, or mm -hmm. did they did they fight for it long enough or hard enough? Mm -hmm. Going to a high school reunion is damn near the only measuring stick that you can you you can gauge you can it's like going it's like getting in a time machine mm. but you know what reggie i think i told you this the other day and this is was interesting because you do over the years i think you forget things have you ever asked Royce who's the first five producers he ever worked with Royce, you remember the first five 
you worked with outside, like when you, as soon as you touched down in New York or first deal? Who's that? Do you remember Royce? Josh Blaze, the Neptunes, Alchemist, Dre. You said when I touched down in New York. Oh. Dre was the producer I worked with. Dre was the first producer I worked with, first album I, I, I worked on. Um, the Neptunes. The Neptunes was early. You Him and Pharrell battled on a, on a, on a three-way call. We paid Pharrell $3,500 a beat. <laughs> and when we turned the album in, we had um, a record. Mad. We had so many Neptunes on. We had too many Neptunes. We had five records. We had a Neptunes record with Royce and M. I think Pharrell wrote the hook. We had a Neptunes record with the clips. Pharrell was on the hook and wrote it. Who were they? We had a Neptunes record with uh, this female artist. Her name was LaFemme Nikita. That was her name, right? Um, Khalees was on the hook and Pharrell, Royce, uh, Nikita and, and um, Pharrell were all rapping on the record. And it was another one more record that was just Royce solo. And it was two more records, Royce solo and a smaller feature. But Pharrell was ad-libbing hook, writing hook on every record. We turned the record in. <laughs> two things, the particular record with the clips, this one, Cash Money was on fire. They said, if you take the Pharrell guy off the hook, put Juvenile on and then put Turk and Wayne. Wow. This would wow. be crazy. My point is, it was so early in Pharrell's career, and they were upset. They said, Yo, he, "Why is he on every record? No one wants to hear him rap or sing like the records." Wow, that's what they told us. So, for me, when I say think ordained, if you think Just Blaze, early Just Blaze, uh, Pharrell, Premier right. came close to later. Fresh off the boat was Alchemist. Um, or off the plan was Alchemist. Uh, Dre. Dre. Like, how do you not say that's not ordained? It's like, yeah. I don't think many people can say that. I don't mm. think many people can say clearly as from a friend level. And this is just, this is always amazing to me about him because he'll, I'll just be talking to him. He'll be like, yeah, such and such. And I'll be like, how did you, where did you meet him at? He's like, oh yeah, we was talking. But to be able to say, I can call Dr. Dre and I'm and I can call and I'm friends with DJ Premier. And I'm sure he would say friends with Dre too. Well. How many people could say that? Mm. Like, that aren't, you know, what people would consider the superstars, mm. right? the, the 1% or the 0.5%. Like that always like it all because I'm still a fan, right? Mm. I'm, I'm still a fan. That always um, uh, impress. Now I don't want to say impress, but I kind of always get it. I get I get a little excited by it. Like we him he put a he put me on text with a red man um, to talk about this video they're gonna do, and he just texts me out the blue. It's him and, and his unknown number. I don't know. He's like, "Hey, this is Keno. Me and Reggie want a lot." And for me, like him, it's like. You know, anything hit squad. Hit squad and NWA, that's my, I don't think I'm in, even want to do music without mm. be in, in Easy e and in Ruthless Records. It's normal to him, I think. Um, but those little things still kind of, I mean, Redman is still Redman. Like, I'm, like yeah. it just is what it is. 
it's so funny to see when I hear him talk about it because to him, it's like it's just another day at the office. And yeah, I'm still a like, fan too. Yeah, but look at the fucking office we in. It's a, <laughs> it's a great fucking office. And I don't know yeah. if that's just, again, I don't know if that's as easy just to say 80-20 as he would, um, which obviously that's his answer. To say I, I, I walked, I got fresh off the plane and I walked in out in this Pharrell or the Alchemist was just, that's different. That's different. I don't know everybody's history, but for some kids from Detroit where there was no industry, where he met his girl's mother and said, one day I'm going to be on that TV. And she said, yeah, right. That's a pretty impressive, like, that's a pretty impressive run. Yeah. And I don't, I don't care if we ever made another dollar again together, um, which I'm sure we'll make million more together. Um, going back to what we said earlier, I've seen the world with this man. Like, literally, I could have been working in the plant. We've had some great ups and some great downs. I, I, there's probably not a country in this world that we haven't touched. There's, there's, there's not a, a uh, artist that we've grown up with that hasn't, we haven't crossed paths, paths with. You know, my daughters have graduated from college and, you know, like, I can never be mad at this man. My life is, my life is drastically different without that relationship. That can never be replaced. Mm. I'm still a fan too. Uh, I know Jake is as well. And Big time. just to bring it all the way back around, I think it's an incredible opportunity for fans to be able to sit and get this kind of game with you guys and to have an experience, you know? Um, so where can those who want to join or, you know, be a part of it, uh, where can they, where can they sign up and, and get access? So we are going to go into beta very soon. Um, so we're, we're going to let a very, very small group of people in to start. Uh, they can go to heavenexperience.com. Uh, you will get all of this. You will be able to walk in from any browser and you might see Roy's walking around there. You might see me walking around there. There will definitely be more conversations like this. I think with me, him and the team, um, there will definitely be, uh, I got an idea that, you know, we're, we're trying to flush out now to do writing sessions. Um, we obviously have a, a virtual studio and then we have two virtual studios actually, um, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one sessions where you can talk to us about the industry. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's this, it's this, mine is you two gentlemen right here. Or um, no, we might be in there too. You gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be. And, <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's just what we've all talked about, right? We've had the opportunity to be a part of such an amazing culture. We're not doing our jobs if we don't, if, if, if I'm standing on your shoulders, which you've allowed me to do many, many times, it is my duty and obligation when I step off to say, hey, this is what I seen on the other side of the fence, right? Hmm. And, and that's what this is. This is about us now being able to say, okay, listen, these are, this is 25, 30, 40 years of ups and downs and, and lessons of life. And this is how you navigate. Um, this is how you can navigate it successfully. I don't think either of us look at success as a financial thing, although it's a byproduct of it. Success is just being able to close your eyes at night and sleep well. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's one of the biggest things we want to give back is access to the information, access to the people access to, to guys like you, hearing your stories and, and having people be able to say, wow, I live in Indiana or Germany or Switzerland or Japan and 
I wouldn't have had access to this. I think this is what makes when we talk about technology. Um, to me, this is what makes it so great for me, the ability to do this. Um, and I, I like Zoom, but to be able to do this in our own world with our own rules and our own, our own um, ideas and community. And to be able to give that community a voice that represents us. That's the and, best thing ever. And then I do have a question because this is my only question. So we have a running over the last couple of years. Me and Royce always pick somebody. I can't remember. It might have started off with DMX. You picked DMX, I think, and I picked somebody else. I don't remember who that was. You remember that? We were saying who was going to be bigger. Remember that? And then we had someone. So I won one and he won one. We have a new one. Talent-wise, both amazingly talented guys. LaRussell, Simba. Who do we think will have the greatest, not who's just the best rapper, because they both can rap. Who do we think is going to have the greatest impact? We didn't have that. That's not the conversation we had. Well, or, or you want me to say who, who's the better rapper? <laughs> even, though, even though that's a better question. That's a better question, but you, we didn't put, that's not the question we posed. Let's make that clear. We didn't do okay. Our, so, our, okay, we'll go. I, I, listen, I don't our our disagreement. Team, no, you, you brought already, it up you now. Already told Simba. You already told him. <laughs> you brought it up now. You already told him. Okay, who's the better rapper? And then question one B. That's it. No, let's say who have who, who they think will have a bigger no, 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 no. You, you, you <laughs> being the captain of the debate team. No, don't 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 <laughs> arm them with nothing. Who's the better rapper? I'm I'm gonna say this. Uh I do think it's two different answers. Uh, two different. I agree. Questions. No, I'm. I'm gonna say th who's the better rapper. I will say Simba. Same. That's all I said. Yeah. It don't mean it. Don't mean that I don't love. Wait, 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 wait. I wait, love wait. what he represents, but, but if we just talking about rapping. Yeah, Simba's Simba's a beast. He's a beast. Okay, what was this? The Russell. The Russell is. Uh, we talked about this with Courtney too, right? He's that total package. And the yeah. thing that I think makes him so accessible is he injects so much of his personality, you know, from his laugh to like the skits to literally going places like Omaha, Nebraska, meeting with people, having them on his mixtape, talking to them, injecting them into the story. Like, I think that, and Royce, you were talking about this earlier too, about how it's bigger than just who's the best rapper at this point. You got to be the whole thing. I think he's got that. I haven't seen that in Simba yet. Uh, so I'm not saying he can't get it, but La Russell's already out there doing it. So uh, right now, I would say La Russell. And if it goes to that, 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 right that part of it, that part of your answer is what what I think speaks to Keenum mm -hmm. when you listen to La Russell. Because, and this is the reason why having a dynamic in your career is so important. It's not about me getting just getting his opinion on music when when we make albums. It's about me getting his perspective because I know that he, he's viewing it from a different place. Mm. So it's like what resonates with him is different from how, what my artistic intentions are. Mm. You know what I mean? If it resonates with him, then I know it's something, it's something being done in there that's, that's, that's separate from just being a lyricist. Mm. I mean, so a lot of times when we disagree on something or if I love something that he don't love it like I do, it could be for for reasons as small as he don't he doesn't know how to market it. Mm. 
or mm. something something being thought about that I'm not thinking about when I'm making it. It's always great to have a completely different perspective and align yourself with people who don't think exactly like you. You know what I mean? So when I hear like, yo, you got too many yes men around. I don't know if I subscribe to that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because you got to have somebody around that's going to be honest, but you also got to have somebody around who understands the process and understands how to not fuck the morale up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if I had somebody come in here and literally just give me no's just because they want to come off as the person who's going to keep it real with me, that irritate me. Yeah. Because ultimately, ultimately as an artist, you want to know. You need to know. Like if you don't know, then it doesn't matter. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do well. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's gotta come from some, it's gotta come from a place where you're finding it and then you are okay with everybody not loving it. You gotta get there and then bring the opinions in of mm-hmm. the, whose opinion that you value, but understanding that you you're taking in their opinion because you value it because you know that it's different from yours. Mm-hmm. I expected him to think LaRusso raps better. Mm-hmm. I expected that. But I'm telling him as a master, December technically is a Absolutely. better rapper. I did. That's why I didn't let him. I didn't let him run with the whole narrative of, of, of who's going to be bigger because that's yeah. a conversation. That's different. That's different. I'm, yeah. Now I got to approach that completely different. Yeah. And by the way, he told yeah. Simba this. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> my, my manager said, "Russell can rap." That ain't cool. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I said, I said, I said, yo, me and my me and my ma- my manager was having a little a little dispute, but I was like, now we both love both of y'all. Cause Simba sent me a song. Sometimes he'll send me shit to listen to, and he had, uh, well, I'm, well, I'm not going. to. So anyway, so he, I was like, um, t- we, I was talking about LaRussell, but then I told Simba that me and Kino was having this conversation, and we love both of them. We both love both of them, and I was like, but um, we were we were debating back and forth as to who we thought could rap rap better. And he felt like that he was the better rapper. And I told him, and that's the reason why you a manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jake will tell you, Jake will tell you, when I heard GOAT last year, uh, the way we framed it was, we put, a, we put a picture of Simba with like Jay and Cole and, you know, a bunch of other people saying that like Simba is a GOAT rapper, you know, cause just getting into that message. Uh, I love, and I told Jake, I want to go hard with this dude because I want us to be in the Simba business, right? So when the album came out, you know, candidly, I wasn't feeling it as much because I don't think he had the right beats for him, right? And and it still is about the beats too. La Russell and Kino, you probably don't even realize this, but you put me on to La Russell because it yeah. was when we had that conversation, when we had that conversation in the driveway about Courtney. Uh, you mentioned La Russell. Oh, that was the and first I was like, time. I need to check him out. And then I got on that movement and, you know, we, we went pretty hard with him too. But Jake and I work in the same way, right? Um, we're like two sides of the same coin or, where we'll like the same album, but we'll like different songs on the album. You know what I mean? Like, so we're great partners in, in that we're not all the way completely separate, but we definitely have a healthy tension. And I think it makes us and the brand better. I think sure. that's, that, that's how I would describe our relationship. Yeah. That's how I would sure. describe it. But I, I think um, both of those gentlemen, um, and I'm a huge fan of both. Me too. When I think of 
where we're gonna go with Courtney, those are the my my goal from the marketing. I think what Royce and Courtney and team have done with the album, I, uh, I'm I, that's just gonna speak for itself. But for me, and I think I told you this, when Courtney gets gets to that part of the conversation, when he's in that uh, conversation of, of those two gentlemen, I know we've set a great standard. Now, where we go after that, I think there's obviously levels beyond that. I mean, obviously, Cole, Kendrick, and Drake. And it's time for a new three. It's, it's time for another uh, Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas. It's time for it. Ten year. Jid is one of them. Jid is one of them. Yep. I think it's time. I think, you know, I know that um, Courtney will be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. I know I know he will. And, and when we do the BET hip hop side for this year, because it's going to happen. Yeah. He, he's going he's gonna to show it. He's going to show it. And again, I've, I've watched Royce and him just jail. It's literally like watching a, a, a Jedi and Luke Skywalker. You, you mm-hmm. see he got it. You mm-hmm. see he got it, but when when you watch them together, I, I'm I don't even I don't even it's like I don't even need to be a part of that conversation because I know what they're about to do, and it's evident in the 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 few tracks that I played you. Absolutely, Reggie legit called me after that and said as much, and and it's very rare. I think Jid was one, Reason was another, where we call each other and was like, "Stop everything! You need to know this name down the line." And he called me and he was like, Courtney Bell, remember it. Remember the name, remember this conversation so you can attribute me later. And it's, um, it's things that I'm watching when I watch them. Because again, Royce always puts me up on things first. He put me up on the Russell, right? Um, and Simba, probably. Um, probably. I watch things from a marketing standpoint and I look at what they're missing. Mm. Right? What, what are they missing? Because they're all great. What are they not doing? It could be the production, right? It could be the crossover potential. There's a lot of things. These two, it's going to be a problem. Because mm. I mean, and Reg, you could you could attest. He's hitting every element, and he that's is. what I was. He's hitting every he element. I can't say too much more about that, but he's going to be a problem. So he's yeah, going to be a problem. And I can't wait. What's there? So, where, Royce, Kenel, thank you both. Uh, this thank has you. been incredibly enjoyable. Uh, we know your time is valuable, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime you don't you don't want to do an interview with Royce because you want to spice it up and get some excitement, call me, man. It's like, you know. I'm Special K. Okay. Yeah. Special K. New name. New name. Yeah. Right. Right. Check in to the game. Yeah. All right, y'all. Check in, coach. <laughs> hey, thank you both. Thank hey, you, too, uh, Teresa. Yeah. All right. Peace. 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 Peace.